0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the pre. Oh, no, 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 no. The post game. Now nah, let's just call it Here We Go, the Steelers show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis from com. This is usually the spot where the pre game show goes, but eh, what are you going to do? The Steelers played a game last night and they lost to the Cleveland Browns. So we're actually doing an extra post game show. When Kevin Smith and I get ready for a game, we talk about what's going to be happening. Well, we already know what happened. Kevin, how you feeling after that loss?
1: Uh that's a good question. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel to be quite honest with you. Obviously, you're disappointed that that you lost. Um, frustrated a little bit. There were just opportunities. There were opportunities in that game, which we'll, we'll get to. Where had the Steelers not? committed some self-inflicted wounds the result might have been a little bit different but honestly the things that when you looked at that game if you and I had done a pregame show the one thing we would have talked about at great length was can the Pittsburgh defensive line hold up against the Cleveland run game that that Cleveland offensive line is really good the running backs are, are really good And would the Steelers on a short week, uh, having already played a ton of snaps on defense, have enough in the tank? And obviously, you know, the answer to that question was no. They they got worn down on, on defense in the second half, and Cleveland was able to kind of take the game over with their offensive line and their running backs. And so, you know, you're disappointed, but at the same time, sometimes the obvious things decide football games. And one of the most obvious things about that game was, the biggest disparity in the game was Cleveland's offensive front against Pittsburgh's offensive front. So, you know, disappointed the Steelers lost, of course, but but not shocked at, at the reasons why.
0: Well, Kevin, here's an interesting thing about this game. The Steelers played much better in the first half, but better wasn't good enough as they only took a one-point lead into the locker room. And they left that one-point lead basically in there and all of their momentum as well. They came out and just fell flat on their faces in the second half.
1: Well, they did, but you think about them on offense, and there's two huge plays. It's funny. There's always, whenever you break down a game in retrospect, there's always like four or five plays that aren't really the obvious ones that have huge impacts on games. And, and here are two. On the Steelers' first possession of the second half, they move the ball out near midfield. They have second and 14, and they run a shovel pass uh, to Jalen Warren. And it's beautifully designed. Uh, he takes it all the way down inside the, the Cleveland 20-yard line. The Steelers are going to be set up uh, with a first down in the red zone. And the play gets called back for an illegal receiver downfield. And, and I haven't, or I'm sorry, an illegal lineman downfield. And I haven't had a chance to go back and, and watch that just yet to see. They didn't run a replay of it in live time and haven't had a chance to rewatch the game yet. But I'm curious to see as to why that wound up being an illegal man downfield because the ball was pitched to Warren behind the line of scrimmage. Now, did he catch it at or over the line? Uh, was that the reason? But whatever the reason may have been, that obviously nullified a huge play. And now the Steelers wind up instead with a second and 19, and they can't dig themselves out of that. And on the very next possession, when Cleveland has kicked the field goal to go up 16-14, Mitchell Trubisky stands in the pocket uh, on a a second and long play and takes an absolute shot from Miles Garrett. Garrett beats a chip block from Najee Harris, beats Dan Moore around the edge, and absolutely buries Trubisky. As he's throwing the ball, Trubisky hangs in tough um and and throws an absolute dime about 35, 40 yards down the field to Deontay Johnson, lands right in his bread basket. and If Johnson catches the ball, again, the Steelers are set up first and ten in the red zone already in field goal range with a chance to take the lead. And Johnson drops it. And and so you know, you look at those two plays and you say to yourself, man, if either one of them had gone the Steelers' way, we could be having a totally different conversation right now. So while they they indeed uh, did not produce on offense in the second half and just kind of got worn down on defense. Uh, like when most games, the margin for error is incredibly thin, and those I think those two plays had a m- huge impact on that football game.
0: Absolutely, they did. Let's start from the beginning, the first drive of the game, when the Steelers, well, actually the Steelers' first drive of the game, when they settled for a 50-yard field goal with maybe 1 yard to go and they did not go for it in heavy wind is that a bad decision in a very windy stadium
1: well i i think they have so much faith in, in chris boswell um and you know I, I don't all stadiums are 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 different in the sense that you you're not totally familiar with your own Venue. We know the Steelers have had a, an advantage at Heinz Field for a long time because of the way that the wind kind of swirls there, and um, opposing kickers have historically struggled terribly at Heinz. And and that seemed to be a really funky win when Boswell hit that kick. That that sucker was headed straight down the middle. I mean, it looked it looked dead, you know, you know dead to rights, uh, and then it just made a right hand turn. Um, it looked like uh, like a lot of people's golf shots off the tee, and and Boswell's reaction, you could see, you know, like at the end, he kind of threw his hands up, like how you know, how did that happen? So maybe maybe they uh, maybe they underestimated the severity of the wind at, at that point uh, when they when they kicked the field goal, it was fourth and four. So yeah, you know, I, I can understand if if it had been fourth and one, it'd be easier to question it, but in a fourth and four situation, I think they probably made the right call there.
0: All right, so let's talk about the offense, and we could even talk about first half, second half, but let's talk about who improved and who didn't. We'll start with the quarterback position.
1: Well, I mean, there's been an awful lot of talk about the Steelers have to get more aggressive and push the ball down the field more, and they certainly did that, and and uh, I thought Trubisky did a nice job putting the ball. For the most part, he missed a deep throw early, The play that really seemed to get the Steelers going on offense was the absolutely incredible catch by George Pickens. I mean, uh, that's going to be talked about for a long time. Probably the enthusiasm for that play is going to get buried in the loss, but uh, Pickens doing his best uh, Odell Beckham impersonation. It was a a, a remarkable play and set the Steelers up and they really seemed to sort of respond to that. I mean, they wound up pounding the ball into the end zone a couple of plays later and um, they you know, and, and in terms of Trubisky, his, his confidence seemed to grow after that. And then I thought I thought Matt Canada did a nice job of getting him out of the pocket more. That's another thing that fans had talked about for the first two weeks. Where's all this pocket movement we've been hearing about? And and you saw more of that. There were some really nice play designs where they used jet motion going one way and then booted Trubisky out of the pocket the other way, one where they ran pickens in motion. Uh, traditional jet motion goes in front of the quarterback at, in the shotgun, but this one went behind him, more like what, what, what we call orbit motion. And Trubisky turned his back on the defense, faked the handoff to Pickens, and then booted out the other way. Really fooled Cleveland. And that ended up being a nice 12, 13-yard gain on the first down. So – I thought Trubisky played a really good football game. I, th- I think people who want to criticize Trubisky right now are, are looking for reasons to want to criticize him, which isn't to say that one game all of a sudden changes the narrative about him. Everybody knows he's a placeholder, and at some point, Kenny Pickett's going to take over. But the Steelers certainly did not lose the football game on Thursday night because of Mitchell Trubisky. I, th- I thought he took big strides forward, uh, and I thought Canada did a much better job setting him up for success. <laughs>
0: they both did a much better job but better is not good enough in this game as they do lose the game 29 to 17 but you could really say 23 to 17 they lost this game by six when you throw in that last play at the end that that means absolutely nothing except for if you had money on that game or <laughs> if you're in Vegas but you know they were already the spread was already done, so that might have changed the over/under. I I would probably think that, but you know the uh, the Browns had already covered, so that was okay. But they still did not use the middle of the field that well until the very end, and you can see what Pat Fryermuth could do when you throw across the middle. Is that still a concern to you, Kevin?
1: It was odd they didn't get him uh, going any sooner especially early in the second half when they came out and had had you know they they put together those two good touchdown drives went went into halftime up 14 13 uh come out to start the third quarter and, and have a 10 play drive which like we said before had had the play to Warren stood would have ended much differently. But then they then they have three straight three and outs. And in and in none of those three and out scenarios, the first one's kind of sabotaged by Johnson's drop on the deep ball. But the next two drives uh just really don't go anywhere and they don't do much. And in in neither situation do they really try to get the ball to fryer move down the middle of the field. They were running the ball decently. They ended up with over a hundred yards rushing on just 22 carries and averaged almost five yards a carry. So it was probably the best from an efficiency standpoint, their best run game of the season. So it's, it was surprising to see them not take some sort of play action shot down the seam to Friermuth off of you know, a good run fake a little bit earlier. Um, so that's that's a wasted opportunity there. So probably the most disappointing element of the offensive game plan was the, the underutilization of Friermuth and the continued unwillingness to throw that ball in the middle of the field.
0: That is definitely true, and I will – agree with that, so it almost feels like you could give Mitch trubisky you could take him off the hot seat for this game but I don't know if Canada really goes off of that because of the middle of the field play and the three three and outs
1: yeah you know you, you again the, the three and outs you think to yourself all right when 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 an offense is struggling, what do you have to do? Uh, they clearly got out of rhythm there in the second half. And like we said, some of those were self-inflicted wounds. But by the time you get to the third straight series, you've had, two, you've had back-to-back three outs. Between series, you have to save yourself. All right, what can I do in this third series? What can I do in this, in this upcoming series to sort of shake things loose a little bit? Yeah, and, and there's lots of options for that. I mean, one thing that Canada, I thought, did a pretty good job of um, throughout the game was he changed tempo. He went, he went no huddle at times. And uh, I thought that that kept the Browns kind of off balance a little bit, but usually that happens when you uh, when you you know want to get going when when you get a play that that's like a drive starter. You, you hit a, you hit a first down, you hit something for seven eight yards, and on that on that third drive where they went three and out, they started on their own six, and they started with a, a pass to Chase Claypool, which gained seven yards, and I thought that they, they would get up and go fast. Right there, you know, there's a great opportunity. To say, let's let's hit some hit them with some tempo right now, um, and they didn't. Instead, they you know they they went to they threw a, a short pass to Deontay Johnson, which he dropped, uh, and and it was an incompletion. And then they came back on third and three, and Cleveland blitzed. And Najee Harris didn't really pick it up well, uh, and it wound up in a sack and a punt. So there really wasn't anything unique or different about that drive. No tempo. No unbalanced stuff. I'm a big fan of like when you, when you need the defense, uh, when you want to get the defense off balance, unbalance them. Go, go with a heavy formation. I mean, Cleveland did it all night to the Steelers. How many times were the Browns in some sort of eight-man surface where they had double tight ends with an extra lineman and you had four guys to one side of the line, uh, three to the other. Sometimes it was five and two. And, and they were basically forcing the Steelers to like kick over into gaps that they weren't used to playing. They were forcing the Steelers to walk outside linebackers down and become now five techniques, line up on an offensive tackle and take on kickout blocks and things like that. They made the Steelers uncomfortable with their offensive fronts and adjustments. And, and in, in midway through the third quarter, the Steelers w- weren't able to do that. So I think if you really want to look for fault in Canada, it's that failure to make an adjustment in those in the process of those
0: three three and outs when Cleveland was kind of taking over the football game. We are going to continue this conversation, and we're going to continue with the offense, then get to the defense. As here we go, with the Steelers post game show keeps on going and keeps on rolling here from behindthesteelcurtain.com dot com. It was better, but it was not good enough. We'll be right back after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as
1: bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
0: want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
1: many more doors. The show
0: is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I ain't the worst looking man you've ever seen. There I am on the subway train. Welcome back to Here We Go, The Steelers Show. I am Brian Anthony Davis. This is Kevin Smith with me. Kevin, are you feeling a little bit better after a good night's sleep with that game, or is it still sticking to your craw?
1: Yeah, it just I mean, it just feels unsatisfying. Uh, you never like to lose to the Browns, but you, you lose them in a game where you feel like the Steelers could have won it. And, and that's the thing that's disappointing. It's one thing to get blown out and to, and to know that, you know, you never had a shot, but it's another to feel like, hey, if, if, if a, few, a few plays have been made or a few adjustments have been made, that was a winnable football game. And that's what that one felt like.
0: Well, we're talking about a 29 to 17 score, but like we said in the first half, that score was 23 to 17. And the very last play when they were trying the Stanford band lateral play, Like you said, as soon as you saw that, you got nervous because you knew it wasn't going to end well, and it didn't. But this was basically a one-score game at the end with the Steelers not having too much time, having nine seconds to try to just go down the field, 96 yards. You knew it wasn't going to happen, but the Steelers did have an opportunity to make that a lot closer game. It was fourth and one after the penalty, with about two minutes left in that game it's pretty much what you do you don't really risk it on fourth and one when it's a two score game you take that field goal but is that something you would do kevin
1: no i think they made the right decision um they had either way they got to recover the onside kick so it really was coming down to that And I, and i thought that they had enough time had they had they recovered the onside kick, they they still had one timeout left, and they would have had to go about fifty some yards with um, you know about a minute forty on the clock, and that's plenty of time. So I I don't think that they that they had to gamble and try and make the first down uh, in that pre- previous situation. They felt obviously really good about Boswell, and he came
0: through for them. So
1: I'm good with that decision.
0: I was quite pleased when the. Uh... After the fact, when I realized that they didn't recover that onside kick, because had they recovered that onside kick, and you get the flag for George Pickens being offside, man, that would have been a that would have been just a stab in the gut, not just a punch.
1: Yeah, that would have been one where you laid awake in bed afterwards, you know,
0: <laughs> at one uh, o'clock in the morning, just going like, why, why? <laughs> well, let's talk about George Pickens and the wide receivers. You know, Pickens had that phenomenal catch. He has a lot of fire, as he showed at the end of that game. But he also shows – I mean, he's a rookie, and he doesn't mind screaming. Is this guy going to be a uh, a problem in the locker room on this team?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I think he's emotional. He plays with emotion. Is, there, is There's a difference between doing it on the sidelines – where we, you go on the sidelines and you're kind of like talking to your position group and you're talking to your position coach and you're emotional and doing it on the field. It bothers me a lot when players do it on the field. I was really bothered with Deontay Johnson uh, in last night's game because we heard from him in the, in the lead up, you know, the, the, the week leading up to the game talking about the concepts that are being called and not being happy with them. Uh, and then early in the game, Trubisky you know who was under pressure on the play wound up right near the end of the half kind of sailing a ball over Johnson's head out of bounds and Johnson's standing on the field with his arms raised I think when you do that on the field whether you're what, what it regards what your intent is you're showing up your quarterback you're showing up your teammates um you know standing out there on the field and on on the in front of the cameras on on national television just holding your arms up giving your quarterback you know the the what the hell um so if you're going to do that stuff, then you got to make plays, right? Then, then then, you can't drop a perfectly placed throw by Trubisky, who's standing in the pocket and getting whacked by, by Miles Garrett on the play. Uh, that's going to set the Steelers up in field goal range in the third quarter. And the thing that really bothered me is on the drive where the Steelers do kick the field goal to make it 23-17, Johnson winds up getting called for an illegal shift because he's not set on a play where at the end of that play, he draws a pass interference penalty in the end zone. So if he had just hustled, he's kind of walking back, being lazy, Trubisky's trying to hurry the offense up and get the ball snapped and Johnson's being lazy and he doesn't get his feet set. And so he gets the penalty on him. And, you know, meanwhile, that play winds up with a a PI in the end zone. So if Johnson is, you know, having a greater sense of urgency, then the Steelers get the ball first and goal. And now they do have a chance to score a touchdown and, so, you know, I mean, that that's, it's that little stuff gnaws at me. I just feel like that's unprofessional stuff and that if you're going to be the, the vocal critic, then you need to do all little things right. Uh, and I don't think he did that
0: last night. You had better play, much better play from the offensive line. You had better play from the quarterback. Seemed like you had some better play calling as well. Of course, the running game looked pretty good. That has a lot to do with both Jalen Warren and and Najee Harris, and, of course, that offensive line was opening up holes. If you ask me, it's the pass catchers that kind of dropped the ball, excuse the pun, but would be the scapegoats for this game on offense.
1: Yeah, there was a little bit of that. And, um, and, and again, we, we touched on it before the break. Uh, Canada needed to make, you know make some kind of adjustment in the middle of the third quarter that he didn't. I also had a little... I was perplexed by their strategy at the end of the first half. If you think back to the end of the first half, the Steelers have a 14-13 lead. They've got the ball uh, first and 10 on the Cincinnati or I'm sorry on the Cleveland 43. So they're right on the edge of Boswell's field goal range. And we you know, we know the guy can hit it from 55 and in and he's got the leg to hit it from 60, but you know, the winds are a little weird and they may they may not have, have had confidence in trying one from that far. But they, they didn't have any timeouts left, but they had about 17, 18 seconds on the clock. Um, and they really didn't do it. You know, they threw two incompletions, and then it's, it's third down and 10 now, and they've got six seconds left. And they ran this funky play where Trubisky sprints out to the wide side of the field and winds up throwing about a 10-yard out to Chase Claypool, who doesn't catch it, and time runs out. And I just thought – it felt like they they ran three throwaway plays where they could have we talked about the middle of the field they could have thrown a ball in the middle of the field, uh, caught it, got tackled, run up ran up, and spiked it. I mean the, the middle of the field was wide open. Cincinnati was you know yielding it to to cover the boundary so so again, that was a little bit of a disappointment too. They just felt like there were some times during the game uh, where just the opportunities to capitalize uh, never uh, appeared so but yeah, you know, it's one it's a game again where you look back and you say they had their chances.
0: Well, three points in that game makes a huge difference. If you get that extra field goal in the first half, then you have a much different strategy from the Cleveland offense and you are not you're not down 9 points, you're down 6 and you can go for that touchdown at the end of the game.
1: Yeah, and uh, again, you know, what you just said is important. It probably affects the entire halftime strategy. So, so yes, they had their chances on offense. Defensively, you know, what do we, what do we say about them defensively, Brian?
0: It was horrible. I I <laughs> thought. I mean, sure. I I know we were talking that this is not the same defense uh, with TJ Watt not in there, but they were not getting that much pressure on Jacoby Brissett. They made Jacoby Brissett look like look like Tom Brady out there.
1: Yeah, he, he, he looked pretty comfortable, didn't he? And then, of course, they just got worn down and they couldn't get off the field. I, you, I know a lot of people are criticizing the offense. The offense only had the ball for 24 minutes. Cle- Cleveland had for 36 minutes. Cleveland ran 72 plays. The Steelers ran 55. So when, when you give a football team 17 more plays than you run and you give them 12 minutes of game time, almost an entire full another quarter of game time, Uh, then you're, you know, you're limiting what you're going to be able to do do offensively. And um, you're just putting the defense out on the field too long. And that was part of that was the fact that the Steelers had those three, three and outs in a row in the third and early fourth quarter. So the offense certainly contributed. And part of it was, you know, they just weren't good enough up front defensively. The the run defense is still not there. Now, granted, they're, they're going up against the best rushing attack in the NFL and Cleveland is a team that has invested in their offensive line, unlike the Steelers. I mean, Cleveland's got, uh, of their five starters on the offensive line, four of those guys are first or second-round draft picks. The Steelers have none. No Steeler off- starting offensive linemen are a first or a second-round draft pick. So Cleveland has put their money into the O-line and into the running backs, and we know that that's the strength of their team. Um, and we know the Steelers have struggled to stop the run, and, and all that stuff came to fruition again on Thursday night.
0: You know, again, they you- – we're in position. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, to go ahead and still give up a hundred yards to that Cleveland—excuse me—the Cleveland running game. You gave up a hundred yards to, of course, Nick Chubb, who I think is phenomenal, and you know Kareem Hunt had his yards too. But you were still in that game the entire time. But the problem was up the middle once again—not just the rush defense, but the middle of that field. David Njoku was a superstar, and I don't think he is.
1: Yeah, they played a ton of soft zone. Um, I guess, I don't know, maybe they, were, maybe they were worried about the matchup with Amari Cooper. Cleveland did a nice job of spreading him out uh, to run the ball early in the game. And, um, and the Steelers, you know, they, they were hesitant to, to drop the safety down. Uh, Again, maybe that they didn't want to cover Cooper man-to-man, but they played this soft zone, and they played it in the red zone, too. When you looked at Cleveland's first two touchdowns, the first one to Cooper couldn't have been any easier. It was just a slant, and uh, he was lined up in the slot, and Terrell Edmonds at safety is playing him with outside leverage. So you're playing zone with outside leverage. That means that you're expecting help from uh, the linebacker underneath or or your other safety, and and the help just never really came. It came late. And it was a really easy pitch and catch. And the, and the second touchdown was the same exact defense. The Steelers reacted to it better and Brissett, you know, th- really threw a, a dart in there that uh, that the tight end went up and made a great catch on. But it was the same concept. Uh, Edmonds with outside leverage, no hands on, on the receiver. The receiver gets a clean release, and, you know, makes an in cut, and the ball's right there. So, so I, I'm, I'm curious as to why they were unwilling especially in the red zone to tighten up the coverage, play man drop. You know, one thing I kept thinking is when are they going to play some rat coverage? You know, rat is, is when teams align in cover two. And then at the snap, they drop a safety down into the high hole in the middle of the field to disrupt those crossing routes and those, and those hitches where Cleveland was making a living. And we never saw any of that either. Um, So yeah, on a short week, you know, maybe there's just preparation issues or, or, or you have to keep your game plan a little bit vanilla, but it was disappointing that the Stewart didn't make some of the adjustments that you expected.
0: It, it really was majorly disappointing. Now, how lost is this season after three games? I don't think it is, but a lot of fans are going to feel that way. What's the silver lining here?
1: Well, the silver lining is now is you have 10 days to get ready for the Jets. And that's a, certainly a winnable game. The ten days of preparation will help because the Steelers will be able, hopefully, to heal up a little. You know, some guys that are that are bumped up, and um, but also really kind of work on some fundamentals. I mean, what, it's a it's a mini it's a mini bye week, and one of the great things that you get to do when you have a few extra practices is you get to work on fundamentals because once you get into the regular season, so much of your practice time is just spent game planning It's it's spent all on scheme. How are you going to, how are you going to scheme your, your upcoming opponent that you can lose sight of, of fundamentals. And, and I think it's a great opportunity for the Steelers to spend a few practices, just getting back to basics, really working on the techniques, working on the little things that, that, you know, caused them problems the last couple of weeks, particularly on defense, the run game. Um, and, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, it's, it's more reps for the O-line, which is actually, you know, kind of starting to come together. I, we've seen improvement in the offensive line each game. They they looked they didn't look very good the first week. They got a little bit better against New England. They looked pretty good against Cleveland. The run, the run game was the best it's been, and the pass protection was real good. I mean, Trubisky was sacked one time uh, on 30-something pass attempts. So, so I think the silver lining is practice time should yield some better results fundamentally. Uh, an opponent coming in that the Steelers have a real good chance to, to defeat and get themselves to the two and two and feel good about themselves as they enter what what an upcoming really difficult sh- stretch of their schedule.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. So this Jets game is going to be very huge for them as they take a, on a lot of East Coast teams coming up in a row, three AFC East teams with. Baltimore excuse me not Baltimore they're not in the AFC he's with the New York Jets the Buffalo Bills and then I messed that up there because you go to Tampa Bay excuse me you have Tampa Bay at home and then you go to Miami on a night they're celebrating the 50th anniversary of 17 and oh so that's I'm glad there's a silver lining in there and with that being said could we give the offensive line dudes of the week
1: I, uh, the one guy in particular, I mean, I I'm okay with that. And the one guy in particular, I thought played really well was James Daniels. That, that thought, was my thought, guy. That, That's the guy I, I
0: was going to say.
1: Oh, good, good. Yeah, we're all on the same page there. Yeah, I mean, did you, I, he, he was he was getting after it in the run game. Had a couple of good pancake blocks and no run throughs. That's the big the biggest thing that has been a problem for the Steelers over the last couple of years is the run throughs where where. And, you know, there's such a he- they're zone heavy team and, and, and zone blocking usually starts with some kind of a double team on the down lineman. And then one of the down linemen has got to chip off to the linebacker. And there have been so many times over the last two years where they just never get off on the backer And here comes an unblocked linebacker running through the A gap or the B gap. Uh, and it's a it's a loss. I mean, Najee Harris had a crazy statistic last year where he was the only back in the league. To have been contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage more than twenty-five times. I mean, that's twenty-five times you're being contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage, um, and that means you're giving up a lot of run-throughs. And I didn't see any of that uh, last night. I thought that the Steelers did a nice job covering guys up, and, and you know, while they didn't rush for a ton of yards, um, their their average per carry they just didn't run the ball that much. They wound up running it twenty-two times for 108 yards, but that's an average of a uh, five yards a carry. So. Dudes of the week, uh, the offensive line. I, I, that sounds good to me.
0: And let me highlight Dan Moore Jr. as well, because you didn't hear his name much, but you didn't hear his name on mistakes,
1: right? And he didn't give up any sacks to Miles Garrett. He got abused on a couple of plays. Let's not lie. Uh, there was a couple of times where where Garrett, you know, tossed him aside like a rag doll. Uh, but that's Miles Garrett. That's the best. You know, the the be, You know, probably the best pure defensive end pass rusher in, in the NFL clearly not the best we all know that's tj watt but uh but i mean miles garrett is you know he's a force to be reckoned with and once again dan moore held his own against him
0: well let's uh get on out of here and uh hope for some healing hope for some just locker room healing and uh philosophy healing as well kevin
1: yeah this is going to be a big week for mike tomlin you know mike tomlin's Job now will be to make sure that he keeps the morale of the Steelers high. Everybody's on the same page. They believe in one another. The quarterback controversy doesn't become a distraction. You know, he's going to have to really do uh, an excellent coaching job, and it's it's a good thing the Steelers have an excellent coach.
0: Yep, indeed they do, even though some don't appreciate like they really should.
1: Yeah, he he is uh, one of the most, I think, underrated head coaches
0: around. All right, so let's get on out of here. Um, For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This has been Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. Make sure you just talk to – actually, let me say that again. It's Here We Go, the Steelers postgame show for one week only because the game was last night, and the Steelers fell by the final score of 29-17. to Which was a very jaded score because of that last play. And if you thought you had won some money from Vegas and that uh, that last play killed you, oh man, I'm sorry. Yeah, we knew it.
1: We, you know, we were we were all, especially the over under. I'm pretty sure it did screw up the over under. I think it was right around, uh, 44 or something like that. So
0: yeah, a lot of money changed hands. Oh, 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 indeed it did. So for Kevin, I'm Brian, make sure you check out BTSC for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. There's going to be a lot of talk coming out of this game and we are going to have it here first and we're going to have it here accurate. So once again, keep your feet on the ground, Kevin,
1: keep reaching for the hypercycloids. Keep the faith Steelers fans.